your neighbor and tell him real serious this morning, you are looking good for the shape you're in today. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I, I want to uh, continue this morning, as promised, the message that we began on Wednesday night. Uh, I don't know what to call this. I don't know how long I'll be at it. I may be six, seven weeks. I may be ten weeks. I don't know, but I'm going to push on this thing until uh, we see a manifestation of God's power, amen, in the earth. Amen? Praise God. And so, uh, amen. And so uh, today we want to go back to the book of Acts and uh, chapter 1 and verse, starting in verse number 1, and it says the former... Treaties have I made, O Thelophysis, Thelophysis, isn't that a wonderful name? Of all that Jesus began, say began, to do and to teach. Verse 2, we have verse 2, there we go. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given... uh, commandments unto the apostles whom he was had chosen to whom also he had shown himself alive in passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them commanded them that they should not depart From Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom of uh, Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times nor the seasons which uh, the Father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Can you say amen? And then let's go to verse 2. And uh, there in our chapter 2, I'm sorry, and it says in verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. Amen. I don't think you need to read any more there. We know uh, what that's about. Now, let's go to chapter 3 and verse 19, if you will, please. Chapter 3 and verse 19, and he says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And verse 20, I'm sorry, my bad. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution, say restitution, of all things 
of all things. I want us to remember that. If you don't mark in your Bible, get somebody else's and mark in it. Uh, but I want you to look at this because this is a this is a pivotal point. I know there's a lot of folks that preach, you know, and teach and make a lot of money talking about Revelation and, and the book of Revelation. Uh, it's, it's wrapped up just like the book of Acts is. It's the, the, the works that Jesus began to do and to teach. And now there was a shift till now the body of Christ was to do the work that Jesus did. And he said, if you've seen me do it, I want you to do it, right? And if you want to find out when Jesus is coming back, it's right here in this verse. Whom the heavens must receive or contain until the time of restitution of all things. You want to know when Jesus is coming? He's coming back when there's been a restitution of all things. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Amen. I guess I'll just call this Acts. Is that all right? Acts, because you see, for the very from the very beginning of creation until now, God determined that He would uh, the, that the earth in which He created would never be without the presence of His power. Even before man showed up, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. It was the voice of God that talked to Adam in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam become God's representative in the earth and God's always had somebody in the earth that would talk for him. Amen. God's always had a people. He's had a place. He's had, he's never let the earth be without his presence. Amen. He had prophets. He had priests. He had kings. He, he's shown his power through the wind and fire and smoke and rain. And through all kinds of shadows and types, he would show himself through the Old Testament. He would reveal himself as a ram and a lamb and as a dove. And God says, this earth will never be without my presence. Amen. Hebrews chapter 1 said, God, who at various times in various ways uh, spoke uh, in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoke to us by his son. Amen. So when Jesus came and walked on the earth, we must understand that uh, it was his intention and his stated intended purpose that when he uh, ascended back into the heavens, that, that he left the earth, that he would leave the earth with a church that had power. Amen. Power to overcome the enemy. Power to overcome sickness, infirmity, and disease. Power over racism. Power over poverty. Power over depression. Power over all of the powers of the enemy. Amen. Jesus left the power church in place to guard his interest in the earth. Amen. He put a power church in place to bring about the harvest and to make sure of that, uh, that he got his investment that he had made into the earth back out of his earth. Amen. Nothing that God has ever done started big and fizzled out. Everything God does starts small and begins to grow. Amen. It, everything starts in a seed form and ends in a harvest. And so when I know that some people may uh, 
disagree with this, but that's, that's your opinion. But I've wrote this in my Bible that my generation shall exceed the works of this book. My generation shall exceed the works of this book. Why? Because Jesus told his disciples that Acts was the seed form. It was the conception, the beginning of the church. And so if that seed form, I can't wait for to see what the church comes whenever it becomes full grown. Amen. When we become mature. And I believe today with all of my heart that we as the body of Christ will exceed the book of Acts because it was the mere beginning of a thing. But there is a power and there is an anointing, amen, that will destroy yokes, remove burdens, and we have to get into that flow and recognize that we are not secondary, but we are people of purpose, that we have a destiny, that we have an anointing for our generation, and that anointing is not just to sit idly by and wait and see what the enemy is going to come up with next, but that anointing that God has given us is to rebuke the devil, to bind strongholds, to tear down principalities, and to establish the kingdom of God within each and every one of us. Amen. Come on and give him praise here this morning. Jesus came the first time to look like you. And when he comes the next time, you're going to look like him. Amen. Jesus came to be the seed in the earth that a generation would rise up and would understand that the seed always determines the harvest. And there is a power church that is coming that will shake nations. There is a church that will establish in this earth, amen, that every generation will know that the power of God is real. Amen. It will shake every, everywhere that the heel of your foot shall tread upon. Why? Because God has has left his church in authority and in power. Amen. He did not leave his church in the hands of people who would gather on a Sunday morning and mourn the death of a religious leader, but he left it in the hands of people that understood that our Savior has resurrected from the dead, and every time we get together, we throw a party for our risen Savior and Lord and know that he is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. Amen. Our king is lifted up. Amen. God has given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Amen. Jesus called them the power church because he knew they would need some power to overcome the powers that they would face. Amen. We talked some about this Wednesday night, so I'll slide through this real quickly. But but I want you to, if you weren't here Wednesday night, to go to our website and pull that up and get it in your spirit. Because you see, we would. Uh, he knew that we would have to deal with political powers. He knew we'd have to deal with economical powers. He knew that we would have to deal with spiritual powers. Amen. Spiritual powers are the greatest power on the earth. The things that you cannot see, but principalities and powers powers and strongholds and wickedness in high places and you have to deal with them and you cannot deal with them unless you have a church that has some power. Amen. Every power has a place. It has a place that it originates. We've seen the storm come through here the other day. Every storm has an eye of the storm in which the power comes from. Every earthquake has an epicenter. 
Every sports team has a home court. Every center of uh, the economic center of our nation is is that of Wall Street. The center for political power is Washington, D.C. We look and we see that we get this Greek word, capital, where we get the word capital from or captain. And John preceded Jesus because he had he was he was the, not the captain, and so because he was not the captain, he was just a predecessor of the captain. The Bible gives us this picture of John being decapitated. It says to us in picture form that he is not the head, but he is a part of the body. He is one that is the forerunner of the head. John said, I am not the light, but I am the forerunner of the light that is to come. Amen. And so we see that story as Jesus comes and he says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He's not talking about a poor, broken Jesus, but he is talking into us about spiritual understanding that he doesn't have a body for in which his head to rest upon. Amen. And so Jesus comes and he establishes in the earth, amen, a body in which his head can rest upon. Amen. We have this picture, amen, of the story. We talked about it Wednesday night, so I'm not going into great detail, but we talked about this paralyzed man that is a picture of the church, right? This paralyzed man is a picture of the church where that his four friends would have to carry him into the presence of Jesus because it does no good to have a body if it's paralyzed. It has no, it does no good to have a head if you, if your body doesn't function with the head. It doesn't do you any good to have a body if you don't have a head. Right? And so here Jesus is and he says that I'm going to be the head and he gives us this picture of a paralyzed man that has a head but his body isn't working. And so it begins to speak to me here, amen, that this, these four took him, the body that was paralyzed to the place of power so that he could get some revelation that his body can work from now on. We said that those four men spoke to us of the four gospels. Matthew comes and he carries us and lets us know that Jesus is a legal Jesus. And he gives us all of the history and and how that he came through the lineage of David and that Jesus was a king. Mark comes and he tells us that not only is Jesus a king, but he is also a savior. Amen. And in every chapter in the book of Mark, except four, there is recorded of at least one miracle in every chapter because Mark wants us to know that Jesus is going where hurting, broken, paralyzed humanity is and bringing help and restoration to them. Amen. Then Dr. Luke comes and Luke comes as a writer of the detail of a doctor and he begins to pin down things that nobody else even talks about. Luke talks to us about 18 parables that you cannot find anywhere else in the word of God. He speaks to us and tells us in great detail how that, that Jesus is a 
great Samaritan. He tells us how he's always looking for the prodigal. He tells us how that he is the one that is always looking for those that are lost. He is looking for a lost coin and a lost sheep and a lost son. And and Luke wants us to know that not only is he uh, through the lineage of David, not only is he a man, a king, but not only is he a, a servant, but he is a savior, praise God. And that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And then John comes and he brings the Old Testament into the New Testament. And he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then the verse 14, he said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and full of truth. He lets us know that God has been God from the foundations of the world. And he came in the form of Jesus Christ to walk among us so that we would know him personally in his power and in his authority. Hallelujah. Amen. And so these four bring us into the headship, the place where that we can understand the power God established by his own authority a rule and dominion that no one could operate or nothing can operate in this earth realm except it be in a body form, right? That's the reason why Jesus came and walked into the dressing room of Mary's womb and came out, Emmanuel, God with us, is because God in his beginning, he's established it that man would have rule and authority in the earth. I want to tell you today, the devil don't have authority in the earth unless you relinquish it. It is man that has been given the authority in the earth. And so we have to stand in that authority that has been given to us. And so we understand then that's the reason why that Jesus came in the form of flesh is so he could be legally here operating. Anything that doesn't come through the womb, amen, is operating illegally in the earth. And that's the reason demonic spirits are always trying to get in somebody. That's the reason why the Holy Ghost is trying to get in somebody. Because God said, for you to have authority in this realm, you have to have a body. Amen. Then Jesus tells us in Hebrews 10, Jesus said, therefore, when he came unto the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Amen. Now that the head and the body are together in the same place, the body has, a, has to have some spirit. God didn't call the church to be a political entity. He didn't call it to be an entertainment in, entity. He called it to be a spiritual entity. And for that to deal with spiritual matters in a spiritual way. Amen. And if you have going to deal with spiritual matters, then you have to have some spirit to deal with spiritual powers. Now that that we understand that, we understand that when the head gets with the body and the body begins to carry out what the head has told it to do, it will produce the power to accomplish a thing. Amen. And John baptized with water, he said, but I've come that you might be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with some fire. Amen. I want you to have some fire and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. 
We said on some Wednesday night, what do these four these things have in common? They all are on the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He's dealing with the earth. The Holy Spirit was not given to you just so you could get to heaven. The Holy Spirit was not given to mobilize you to just make it somewhere. But the Holy Spirit was given to you so that your body, this body, could be mobilized here on the earth. Amen. I know some people have a problem with that, but they so did they in Jesus' day. Amen. Angels are standing there while Jesus is taken up. He's talking and he is ascending into heaven. And they say the very same people that he was talking to were there in the earth uh, standing and gazing into the heavens until the angels come and say to them, why are you standing here gazing into the heaven?" In other words, they said, did you not hear what Jesus just said to you? He didn't say anything to you about heaven. He's talking to you about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen. This is the place the church has been for 2,000 years. We're standing around gazing into heaven, not realizing that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Not realizing, amen, that, that heaven is something that you cannot change. Hell is something you cannot change. But what you can change is the here and the now. And God has given us some power to make a shift and a change in the earth in the right now, praise God. Amen. We've wrote songs about heaven, the sweet by and by. We've, we've turned heaven into a gated community with big houses and golden streets where the Holy Ghost dwells. But the Holy Ghost isn't for the sweet and by, it's for the nasty here and now. Amen. And you see, the Holy Ghost isn't just to get you on golden streets. The Holy Ghost is to get you in the highways and the hedges where hurting, broken, lost humanity is, where paralyzed humanity is, where addicted people are, where broken people are, amen, where they don't have any, they're held under by the hand of the enemy. And the Holy Ghost has been given to you, not just so you can get to golden streets, but so you can hit the street and you can begin to speak deliverance and help and hope to all that are broken. Amen. He said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the powers of the enemy. Amen. Some people, all they want to talk about is heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. I told you the little story about the man I preached for, right? He said, everybody want to get to heaven? He pulls out that shotgun and says, who wants to be first? And they all sit down. Amen. A lot of times we, want, we think we want to go, but we ain't in a hurry to go. I don't have a problem with heaven. I have a problem with what we've turned it into. That we've got a pie in the sky. And you, you see, all of the, a lot of those songs, I, I rejoice about heaven. It is a real place and I'm looking forward to going there. But my problem is, is we've got the mentality that we can't enjoy God till we get there. 
Amen. You read those songs and you'll find out all of them were born out of the time of slavery in a time of poverty. Whenever the mindset was, it ain't going to get no better than this. And one day I'm going to get out of this world and I'll get to heaven and it'll be better over there. But I want to tell you the devil is a liar. Amen. I want to tell you, you can have heaven on earth. The kingdom of God. Amen. He said the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. We don't have to wait to heaven to get healed. We don't have to get to heaven to rejoice and to enjoy this journey. God has given us the Holy Ghost so that we can enjoy it right here in the face of adversity, in the face of difficulty. He has given us power to enjoy this journey with him. Amen. Amen. The battle of the ages isn't over heaven. Heaven cannot be changed. The battle of the ages is not over hell. You cannot change it. But the battle of the ages is about here right now. What's going on now? And I know some people misunderstand me, but we have put so much focus on heaven and hell until God only becomes a thought about, thought about by the way of death. Right? Right? We, we've got a picture, the world has got a picture today uh, of God as being the grim, grim reaper. And, and we've even made statements, you know, at the end of our messages. And what would you do today if you were to die today? I've got a better question for you. What would you do if you was to live another 60 years? Because the reality of it is, if you die today, you don't have to do nothing but be able to get your eternal soul saved. But if you live for another 60 years, you're going to need some power. Come on, somebody. You're going to need some power. And Jesus didn't come as a green, grim reaper, but he came to give us life and their life more abundantly. Amen. If you die tomorrow, all you have to fix is your eternal soul. But if you're going to walk out those doors and have a life, you're going to need some power to endure the power of the enemy. Amen. That power that is pushing on you, power to stand, power to endure, and power to press on. Come on and give him praise here this morning. We've turned our God into a, we have allowed the world to turn our God into a ceremonial God. We just want him for ceremonial purposes. They invite God to the wedding and the devil to the reception. They want to dedicate the babies to God for him to protect them. But we don't have no plan of raising them up in church. Just a ceremonial God. People are thinking today that they can just be baptized and after they're baptized, go and live however they want to. Amen. Just turn him into a ceremonial God. We've allowed the world to turn our God into a ceremonial God that we bring out on Easter and Christmas. And then we put him back in the closet with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. 
Amen. But I want you to know today that God is bigger than that. Amen. I've come to tell you today that God is raising up a generation in this last day that understands that the earth really does belong to God and that he has given us power and dominion in this earth. Glory to God. And he is given a raising up a generation that will not just back down to the enemy, but say that belongs to God. And we're not about to back down. We're not about to uh, say that this thing can, you can have it. No, God has given us this place, my brothers and sisters. And we need to tell the government, the earth is the Lord's. We need to tell, amen, the school system, the earth is the Lord's. We need to tell the banking system, the earth is the Lord's. And the only way we're going to do it is if we operate in some kind of power. Amen. We have to have power. Power is bigger than performance. Power is bigger than style. Power is bigger than talent. Power is bigger than doctrine. Power is bigger than preference. It's bigger than denomination. It's bigger than all of these things. A powerless church cannot operate in this high spiritual environment in which we live today. Amen. You can say they're not so, but it doesn't stop them from being so. We're in a battle today. We're in a war today. And we have to have a people that arise up in this age and say, we're not going to give in to the unclean spirits of the day, but we're going to be supercharged with the power of the Holy Spirit and do everything that God has ordained for us to do. Amen. We live in a highly charged environment like we do today and then someone drops you off at a dead, lifeless church where there's nothing going on and there's no power to push back against the power that is pushing against you. Amen. And people need to understand, amen, that we are a power church. Amen. We, we're a power church on purpose. We're loud on purpose. We clap our hands on purpose. Amen. We, we lay hands on the sick and they recover. Amen. We go after demons with a vision. We take handkerchiefs and claws and we send them to sick folk and they get healed. We stretch our hands to the north and to the south and command them to be free. Amen. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. We've got something when Dr. Phil can't fix your God. God can. When the doctor says that you're going to die, the Holy Ghost can say you're going to live and not die and declare the work of the Lord. When the banker says, I don't have nothing for you, the Holy Ghost is still able to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you. When the door slams shut in your face and everyone gives you the red light and the stop sign, I'm here today to tell you that God can still say, behold, I set before you an open door that no man can shut glory to God. I serve a God that is able today to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or even think. If you believe it, give him some kind of praise today. I just come this morning to remind you that God is still able to do it all. I just came to remind you this morning that there is power, power, Wonder-working power in the blood. Amen. Demon-casting-out power. Sick-body-healing power. 
household salvation power. The earth has seen every other kind of power. They've seen nuclear power. They've seen economic power. They've seen all types of manpower. They've seen black power and white power. But they're about to run smack dab into a generation that has Holy Ghost power. And that power is above every power that the enemy has assigned to this earth. After the day of Pentecost, Peter preached one message and 3,000 got saved. We preach 3,000 messages and get one saved. Why? Because we're not doing it with power. Amen. But I'm telling you, there is a generation that the gates of hell will not prevail against. There is a generation that will take the gospel to enemy held territory. Amen. They can outlaw the Bible in school, but they can't outlaw the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can kick him out of the White House, but he'll walk up and down the halls of the White House. The Holy Ghost comes how he wants, when he wants, because he is coming with power and with fire. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost comes with fire. Jeremiah said it like this. He said, I wanted to shut up. I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. But he said, it's like a fire that is shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, you got to get some kind of fire on the inside of you that when the enemy says give up and quit, the fire of God will burn in your life even brighter and overcome all of the works of the enemy. Hallelujah. So I've come this morning to tell you, somebody's going to get some fire today. Fire to save, fire to heal, fire to deliver, fire, amen. The Bible tells me that our God is a consuming fire. Amen. If you don't get some fire, you'll just become religious. You just go through the motions, but don't have any power. To execute what you say. You see, it isn't good enough just to come to church. You can set up in a garage all night long and in the morning you still ain't going to be a car. Amen. And just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't give you power, but you've got to put something inside of you that will draw the Holy Spirit into your life. Amen. I'm going to pray until the fire comes and touches me. I'm going to pray until I'm praying stuff that I don't even know. Amen. I'm going to pray until I know that the heavens are open over my life and things begin to change. Why? Because I know that prayer draws God to where I am. Amen. He said, repent and be converted that your, the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How many understand we need a time of refreshing today? We need a reviving in our souls, in our spirit, in our lives. And so he says, there's a refreshing that must come. I've, I've preached this since I was a kid preacher. I believe it. That there must come a time of refreshing. Now I know, and and please don't get me wrong, I'm not putting off on other folks. I just, and this is just my personal conviction, but I'm convinced that people are lost as a goose in a hailstorm that teach in the book of Revelation, and they don't know what's going on with it. And they're selling books by the thousands. They're selling DVDs and all making all kinds of money on it, and they don't understand nothing going on. 
But what I do understand is this. If I want to know the signs and the times, he says that there's got to be, first of all, repent, be converted, that your sins might be blotted out, that the times of refreshing might come. Amen. Where from? Not from Washington. Not from the government, not from the employer. But the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If we want a refreshing, we've got to get into the presence of the Lord. Amen. And then he says, whom the heavens must retain until the restitution of all things. In other words, Jesus can't come until there's been a restitution in the earth. Amen. Now watch this. So why stand you here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus you've seen go away. He's coming back in like manner. When's he coming? When restitution of all things has taken place. Restitution is better than restoration. Are you walking with me? Restitution, a restoration means that I get back what has been taken from me. But restitution means that I have to be compensated for the time that the thing was gone. Amen. So if you stole my car and it's restored to me, it means I get my car back. But restitution means that not only do I get my car back, but you have to pay me for the suffering and the time that I lost it. Amen. While you were driving my car around, you need to give me some restitution for it. Amen. And all of the, all of the, all the restitution of all things is when God makes the devil pay back. Amen. For everything you had to go through. If it was not for him, where would you be right? Oh, hallelujah. If it weren't for the enemy you had to mess with, where would your family be right now? If it weren't for the enemy you had to deal with, where would your health be right now? If you didn't have to deal with the enemy, where would your finances and the blessing of your life be right now? Amen. I want to tell you that there is a restitution that is coming. There is a generation that will have to get the payback for everything that has the enemy of the kingdom of God has had to suffer in the earth. Now you say, well, pastor, I don't believe it. It don't matter to me. It's the word of God. There's a restitution. We can and look at Pentecost and say, oh, isn't that the epitome of Christianity? But I want to tell you that was the seed form. It was the birth of the church. But there is a greater day ahead, my brothers and sisters. There's a work that is yet to be done. There's a kingdom that is yet to be established in the earth. And we need to be a part of it. Amen. You see, I'm talking about everything God says was ours. We're getting it. He said, ask me for the nations and I'll give them to you. God said, I'll give to you power. We are coming for our families. We are coming for our spouse. We're coming for our children and our children's children. We're coming for our parents. We're coming for the school. We're coming for the government. Amen. Power to live right. Power to act right. Power to do whatever and everything that God has ordained for us to do. I'm talking about a church of acts. Amen. 
I'm talking about the church of Acts. We're not a weak and anemic church that religion has meant for us to believe that we are. But we are a church that has been given power to do signs and wonders and miracles. We're a church that has been established in the earth so that we can declare the goodness of God in the face of the devil. And let this world know without fear or reservation, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. I'm, I'm, I'm done, I'm, I'm done. I'm gonna let you go home. Thank you for coming today. But let me just tell you something before we go. The reason that we doubt is because we haven't seen it work through us. I'm talking about Acts. I'm talking about this last day church, but I want to roll back to the Old Testament to give you a principle because I can imagine Moses. We know the story on this side, but can you imagine when God told him to start calling down those plagues? How many know that was a bold move? Go over to Pharaoh and say, you better let my people go. What you going to do about it, little boy? And he said, I tell you what. He said, in the morning, the river's going to turn to blood. Now, how many know, how many can just think with me the way I think that, that he had a stuttering problem anyways. It probably took him 15 minutes to tell him that that day. I mean, here he is, and, and, and he, he has heard something in the spirit that he don't know. Are you walking with me? Even how it's going to work out. But by faith, he tells Pharaoh what he's heard in his spirit. And he says, all right, you want to mess with me tomorrow? He said, there's going to be flies. And guess what? Pharaoh hardened his heart. The next morning, flies everywhere. Don't you know, Pharaoh stuck his chest out a little bit. Said, uh-huh. And went on over there to Pharaoh again and said, now you won't mess with me some more? He started getting some faith now because he was operating in a realm that was not in the natural realm, but he was operating in a spiritual realm. Amen. And he said, flies and flies came in. And, and then he said, now ah, you want to mess with me? Now, yeah. And he said, frogs. And the next day, frogs all over their beds and everywhere, frogs. And faith started, he, you know, this momentum started happening in him. And then he goes on and, and he says, blood, the water is going to turn to blood. And they go out to the river to get water and the waters turn to blood. And faith and momentum started rising up in him. The reason that we're questioned or we're, we're reserving or we're hesitant about speaking the word of God is because we haven't never asked him to do anything. To the poor portion of your faith prophesy. Right? I'm pastoring just a minute and then I'll let you go home. But to the proportion of your faith, prophesy. And so when that person comes up that has, has a, 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 a headache, you have faith. If you, your faith is for her, them to be healed, then you speak that. 
And when God does it, then you have faith when somebody comes to you for a migraine. Are you with me? And you say that that same God that delivered that other person from that headache is going to deliver you from this migraine. Amen. And then some faith builds up and you get some holy boldness. And now you look and you see that somebody has a, a, a pain in their body. And you speak to them and say, I know the God that, that healed that lady or for that uh, headache and that man from that migraine. He's the same God. And when I lay my hands on you, your body is going to be healed. Amen. And so that's the same principle. That momentum started coming. David wrenched back and got that momentum. He, when he went against the Philistine, he said, the same God delivered me from the hand of the bear and the paw of the lion is the same God that's going to deliver me from this Philistine. Amen. And so you've got to start somewhere. And so just start exercising your power to the level of your faith and let it build from there. Wherever you're at in your faith level, just begin to exercise it. If you have to start with God, give me a good day. <laughs> Wherever it's at, at that level, just begin to operate in faith and allow it to begin to build. And when God answers that prayer, just begin to move in that thing and believe God for greater things in your future. Amen. Because I'm telling you, God has released in the book of Acts a church that has power. And that church never died. Acts 28 does not say the end because we're still here as the church. We're still his body. And if we can get connected to the head and begin to allow the head to operate in the body, we're going to see great and mighty things in this last day. Let me change that. Not if, but if we want to be a part of it, he is going to have a body. He is going to have a church that has power and authority. It's up to us if we will be a part of the body. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the body. Amen. You've been so kind and patient. Would you stand to your feet and give God praise here this morning? Hallelujah. God, we praise you and we thank you today. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Father, I pray today for glory, a greater weight of glory than ever before. I pray for supernatural power, God, to be released into our generation, into us this day. God, I pray for tabernacle, but I pray for the body of Christ as a whole. God, that you raise up as powerhouses all over this valley. God, power churches that know that God is great and doing exploit in this last day. And Father, I pray the Lord that the glory of God and the power of God be prevalent, be real in us now. God, that we understand that it isn't for the pastor, it isn't for just a select few, but whoever you call, you said you have chosen. And those you have chosen, you have called. And God, for those you have given power to operate in the earth. And so I'm asking you today, Father God, that you would start a restitution. Start restitution. Start restitution today, God, in this house. And everything that has been taken, everything that has been relinquished, everything that has been stolen, I pray not only for its restoration, but restitution for the time that it has been gone. God, payback. You said when the thief is caught, he must restore sevenfold. 
And so I'm asking you today for restitution to take place in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let life, health, and strength rise up in each and every one of us and let us know, God, that we are people of power. And we give you praise and thanks for it now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you just raise your hands heavily today? Just receive from God. Receive from God. Hallelujah.